You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome to the Immigration Hour in America's Web Radio. David, it's great to be back with you on this bright and shun- sunshiny uh, Tuesday morning here in, uh, here in Atlanta. Uh, David, I had an enjoyable weekend attending a conference of the American Immigration Lawyers Association, uh, which was fortunately scheduled for St. Martin in, uh, uh, in, in, in the Caribbean. Uh, we do appreciate uh, the proper planning that was done. Here's what was weird about this meeting, David. Okay, the American Immigration Lawyer Association, other than yours truly, tends to be a pretty liberal organization. You know, it's an immigration lawyer, right? Generally going to be, you know, pretty much on the left wing. And everybody on the left thought that Hillary was going to win, right? Including me on the right. Yet they scheduled their mid-year meeting inauguration weekend out of the country. Um, now, some would call that fortuitous. Uh, some would call it odd. I just thought it was strange when I asked somebody about that. I said, well, the reason is that the previous weekend is Martin Luther King weekend. Okay. And the following weekend is something else. Okay. President's weekend. No, that's in two weeks. That's, 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 that's in three weeks. Uh, so that's the second weekend in February. And uh, I thought, okay, if you say so. I just thought it was really weird that they had a meeting uh, on, on inauguration weekend. And I assume you watched the inauguration and, and listened to that amazing speech. Um, I did. Uh, I watched part of it. Uh, you know, I, I know where you're going with your comment, curse as it was, regarding the inauguration speech. Uh, I just thought I, it was so dour. I mean, I didn't. I read it. I, I didn't. Yeah. I, I thought it was so dour. It was such. It was like a Debbie Downer speech. Those speeches are usually reserved for uplift us, make us feel greater, bring us together. Well, I, yeah, I, yeah, know, America. I, I think it's sort of. As I've said all along, in my opinion, uh, Trump is no dummy. Uh, and I think he's gotten some uh, extremely good advice over the, over the recent course. And um, beyond that, I, you know, it's sort of like this thing with the, everybody was criticizing his uh, guy for coming out in the press conference and putting down the media and stuff. Trump is smarter. He's not talking to you. He's not talking to me. He's talking to the other people that that voted for him. I, I, and think, you're I think you're absolutely and, right. I think you're absolutely right. And you know they. But that's not the purpose of an inauguration speech. Well, it's just not, David. So, so I mean, what do you want? Do you want Obama again up there? No, no. Him? I would like. I mean, I think he could have given a speech that was uplifting, and still went along with his principles. But it was just so damn depressing. Our national nightmare is over, or some such crazy stuff like that. Uh, I mean, really, it, it could have been so much more than it was. It could have been. It could have been. Uh, but he's 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 now safely ensconced in the White House uh, and felt compelled yesterday to repeat one of his biggest lies, and that is that the only reason he lost the popular vote, which he now acknowledges he lost, was because between three and five million undocumented immigrants voted against him. That's literally what he said yesterday at the CIA. I mean, really, David, he thinks that one out of every two or three undocumented immigrants actually voted, and then even they voted, they voted against him. I mean, that's lunacy. That's just absolute lunacy. Um, What he's saying is that to the 
34 states that have Republican uh, secretaries of state, you let undocumented immigrants vote. They're going, whoa, dude, not a single undocumented. I mean, it's uh, Brian Kemp here. Not a single undocumented immigrant voted in Georgia. I mean, it, it's, it's a crazy uh, statement, but clearly you bring up a good point. There's a reason why he says this stuff. He's not stupid. It's not that he doesn't know what he's saying is not true. He absolutely knows it's not true. But he puts the, the alternative fact out there that people will actually believe. Some people will actually believe. They'll believe it. Oh, and the next time Trump's going to win it because we're going to make sure that no undocumented immigrants vote. Basically, we're going to make voting so hard that really nobody except our people can vote is what they're saying. I just thought it was a, a bizarre statement, and I wish he would just get on with governing. Um, now, David, yesterday, uh, Mr. Trump uh, uh, staff, Reince Priebus, said something that actually impacts immigration terrifically. Remember, he campaigned, I don't know if you recall this, uh, something about Mexico. I, do you recall what he talking? He was talking about Mexico, some rapists or something like that in the wall. Uh, he also said that he was going to end Obama's illegal amnesty programs. Do you, do you rec- we had, actually had part of our show on that uh, several months ago. Um, yesterday, Reince Priebus came out and said, uh, yeah, we're going to, you know, probably not going to touch that for now. We're going to kind of let for Congress to see what we can do to, we don't want to hurt the kids. This is a brilliant strategic move by, by Trump, a brilliant strategic move, because if he cancels DACA, this is that deferred action for child arrival, the same basis that we have, and this is actually great for our lawsuit that you asked about. If he cancels DACA, one, that's 750,000 people who have work permits, and I would guess the vast majority of them are working. Uh, and so your tax revenue goes down in states and localities and feds. But two, you now increase the undocumented immigration population because you're taking away their documents. Uh, and three, public opinion is in favor of doing something for these kids that were brought here, you know, through no fault of their own and have succeeded. I mean, that's the thing. They've actually succeeded against all odds. And Reince Priebus said, you know, we're not going to do anything about them for right now because we were waiting for the shoe to drop. We knew that Monday was Trump's first work day. We thought yesterday was the day that if he was going to do something on DACA, he would do, he would have done it yesterday. He would have said, "Well, I'm going to res- I'm going to have the Secretary of Homeland Security rescind uh, the Jay Johnson memo on DACA." But it looks like uh, they're moving forward. And uh, USCIS came out yesterday and said, "No, we're continuing to work on these cases as normal, and until we hear otherwise, we'll keep doing it." Now that's great news for our lawsuit on in-state tuition, uh, because our fear, of course, uh, was that. Uh, DACA was going to end, and therefore the lawsuit is be over, right? There's no, there's no law, lawful presence for these kids. But it looks like it's going to be ongoing, uh, which means we can we can fight the good fight and move forward. That actually is great news for a lot of these kids because a lot of them were just so. It was David. I have three. I have four of these kids that work for me in my office. Uh, one is a paralegal. One is a receptionist, and two in, in kind of the basic behind the office staff kind of stuff. And they were literally in tears last week because they were so afraid of what was going to happen on Monday. They were just terrified. And when we let them know yesterday that it looks like they're going to be okay for the, at least for the next little while until Congress moves on this, David, it's just amazing the difference in their countenance and how they reacted. It was, you know, this, this is a smart move by Trump. This is a smart move because if he leaves the kids alone and he lets the kids uh, – 
do what it is that the kids are doing here. And, you know, he, he continues to uh, uh, allow for a uh, um, uh, the work permits for them and the travel documents for them. Uh, he essentially gives him a free reign to go after the bad people. Reinstate 287G. Uh, now what is 287G? That's the agreement. That's the, actually it refers to the Immigration Nationality Act, 287G, which are agreements between uh, ICE and the individual police departments in the United States, here in Georgia, mostly the, mostly the county departments, police departments, where there is essentially a deputized local sheriff for ICE in every county jail. There's only four counties that have this agreement right now. That would be Hall, uh, Ch- uh, Hall um, Whitfield, uh, Gwinnett, and Cobb. Um, and uh, it, it, it basically reinstates – they're going to reinstate those programs. So we're going to go back to the days when you were driving down the street and the cop stops you because your tail lights out. Oh, you don't have a license. Haul you to jail. ICE picks you up, and now you're in deportation. That's what flooded the immigration courts four years ago that we're still dealing with today. Um, they are going to reinstate that. But it, it gives them cover. It gives them cover to build the wall. It, it, it is a, you know, a brilliant strategic move by the, by the Trump administration because it would have just been stupid to make martyrs out of these kids. Now, on the flip side of that, you're going to make martyrs out of their parents, but people, the people have a lot less sympathy for the parents who knew what they were doing when they were coming here. Uh, what's sad, though, David, is how many kids have never applied for DACA or... The, the few that have DACA and then do something stupid. Um, you know, David, it's amazing. Uh, they are kids after all, right? And so they want to do something stupid, whether it's smoking a marijuana joint, whether it's uh, driving under the influence. Uh, and, you know, you lose your DACA for that, which means then if you've had DACA and you do something stupid, you're first in line. You're gone. You, you are out here faster than almost anybody else. And it's truly sad to see that some of that's happening. I would hope that they will continue to accept new DACA cases as new kids come along because this will be good for the system moving forward. Good for the system moving forward. You know, with that, I know you're a very good attorney, and I know you're not a psychologist. My wife uh, happens to be one, though. But uh, Well, <laughs> she ain't here. She's so. been analyzing me, I can yeah. tell you that. Yeah, and she threw the book away. Yeah. No, no. Uh, let me. You said something that rang a bell, and 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 I know kids will be kids. I was a kid. I don't. I'm not sure about you. But well, I was I a kid I was too, a kid. David. You, you were a kid a long time ago. So, uh, but yeah, many kids many kids. years ago. Yes. Uh, but does anybody take the time with the DACA kids to sit down with them and say, "Look, you know this. This is terrible. You're." going through your <laughs> puberty years, you're going through uh, you're changing into an adult supposedly or hopefully and here, here is the situation you know I know you're going to want to go out raise hell, do this, do that but do you know what it's going to cost you and do you care you know, that, that, I love that you brought this up David is, does any, is anybody uh, I is there tell an you, outreach program for there these really kids? isn't, there really isn't Shouldn't there be? Uh, there absolutely should be. I mean, one of the things we try to do with our clients, we send them a letter, not that they read it, uh, that talks about this. Hey, look, you have, you have, you have an... Or an, at an, least stay in the damn house. Yeah, and, if, if your friends come along and say, hey, you want to join? Your, your, your answer is no. 
You should be no. If you want to go out, no, no, I don't want to go out and drink. No, I don't want to go out and, and, and wreck cars. No, I don't want to bang mailboxes. No, 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 no. You have to learn to say no. And the thing is, we're talking a very, very small percentage of these kids that do something stupid because their brains are wired to do something stupid. They're teenagers or they're, they're young adults. I would say 99% of them are fine. They're doing exactly what they should be doing. But that 1%, as you know, always gives a bad name to the rest of them. You know, it takes one of them to go out and kill somebody in the DUI accident. Okay, now they want to take Doc away from everybody, take driver's license away from everybody. Um, so, yeah, I think your point is well taken. There needs to be, and there should have been four years ago, as part of the Obama administration program, they should have said, you know, more clearly in big, bold letters, if you do anything stupid, this is gone. Poof evaporates uh, absolutely off the charts but they don't really do an effective job of doing that uh, they don't really take that I, I, I guess a lot of and a lot of the community groups that do DACA or reach out to these kids they do stuff like that but it's not in any organized fashion I know so I'm not aware maybe some of our listeners is aware of national organizations that are that are helping these DACA kids um, understand that there's consequences to d- doing dumb things uh, hopefully the parents can teach that to the kids. But as you know, parents do a terrible job a lot of times. Um, so, no, I think its point is no. well taken. I wish there was How something out there. How many parents necessarily understand it either? Well, most, a lot of them don't. I mean, a lot of them don't. I mean, I mean, I've represented permanent residents for years that get deported because, or, or in deportation because they do something stupid. Because uh, even as a permanent resident, you do something stupid, you're gone. It's just, just really that simple. And that's actually one of the things I think you're going to see change uh, if, in fact, we have an immigration bill that gives these DACA kids some sort of permanent status. There's going to be a flip side to that bill, and it's going to be a, a severely enforcement-heavy proposition uh, that's really going to damage many of the parents of these kids. Let's take a break here on the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. Si usted tiene problemas con inmigración o asuntos que tiene que arreglar, llama a los abogados de Cook Immigration Partners. Somos en su lado. Tenemos más de 50 años de experiencia haciendo las leyes de inmigración y defendiendo a los inmigrantes. Llámenos hoy a las 404-816-8611, a las 404-816-8611 o al www.immigration.net. Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on americaswebradio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com anytime you like. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the America's America's Web Radio, the Immigration Hour. I think it's the most listened to immigration podcast in, in the known universe, David. I notice a lot of people jumping on the podcast bandwagon for immigration these days. Uh, yeah. yeah, they're getting in a little late in the game, don't you think? I would think so. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, I, I have a, a I, I got to throw this in for whatever it's worth or not worth. I know you get a lot of emails and people mentioning the show yep, and stuff. I do. Um, we one of my other shows. 
um, picked up a picked up a distributor for one of the advertisers from Australia because of the really? show. Really, that's yeah. awesome! So Congratulations, I, that's awesome. Yeah, I, I mean, Mike, the the advertiser sent me an email about uh, you know that uh, they and and what was funny is that they had been following the show now for almost a year before they decided. We'd, we'd like to be a distributor of those products, and uh, but so it's happening. So you know, it's uh, we're not a Kmart special, but we uh, we're listened to, and and the people that listen to us are interesting. They don't listen to every show, but they listen to uh, different shows. So, and we we thank you for for being with us so long and 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 bring, you're a niche you know and that's what america's web radio it's, it's all about great and there's a lot of great niche shows here uh, lots of fun niche shows here that uh people should uh should listen in there's some actually fun stuff is the chicken guy still on the air no oh, chicken guy is great he, he's yeah. gone. but the gardening show is on you have gardening, two gardening shows have right two gardening shows so. oh by the way i want to give you a gardening update i will be gardening this year david Yours and my place, huh? I'm not going to do yours. I'm doing, I didn't do. Remember, I let my, let mine be fallow last year. I didn't let anything other than weeds grow in there. I'm sure I'll have Julian weeds this year. Uh, this weekend, if it doesn't rain again this week, I'm going to go in and, and uh, till the uh, till the garden up. Uh, throw some more because last year I put a whole bunch of manure in, didn't use it. So I'm going to put some more fertilizer in this year, till it up, and um, I'm ordering my seeds this weekend. I'm going to be doing um, uh, about a bunch of heirloom tomato. I'm going to limit it though. I'm going to only 10 types of heirloom tomatoes this year and 10 types of heirloom uh, uh, peppers. And then we'll do all kinds of other very cool organic uh, vegetables in there. your stuff from Bonnie's? Or from I get my stuff from, um, um, oh, what is it called now? It's, a, it's, a, it's, a, the, it's, the, it's an heirloom seed company based out of Oz, the Ozarks in Missouri. Yeah. Um, oh, my goodness, it'll come to me before the end of the show. But I've gotten from them for years, and they just have great seeds. Uh, you know, the one type of seeds I've never had luck with here are melons. I just don't do well with melons. Maybe it's the climate here. It's just not a melon climate. I, I, I can't grow cantaloupe. Now, yeah. I had a neighbor, interestingly enough, grew cantaloupes, um, and she had them in her little, not even a garden, uh-huh. it was just her little place next to the house. Uh-huh. And there was just something, I mean, she grew great cantaloupes. Uh, but I can't grow watermelon or yeah. cantaloupe. My watermelon, they'll, they'll, the vines will grow like crazy. Yeah, and then you know they just they just get black rot, end rot, and they're just gone. Uh, but uh, my um, uh, squash have grown great, so I'm going to grow a lot of squash this year. Uh, and I'm not doing, I'm not going to waste space on corn anymore. No, literally cannot grow corn here unless you're planting an acre and a half of corn. It's just, you're just not going to get a lot of corn here. Uh, so we're gonna we're gonna focus on the basics like that, and uh, um, I think have a little bit of fun with the garden this year. Uh, but I, the other thing I have to do though is uh, my other gardening update is I got to get down there this weekend and prune my fruit trees. Uh, last year I did not prune properly, and as a result I had lots of flowers, but I basically got very little fruit. So this year we're gonna do a little bit better pr- job pruning this year. I, I, I need to pull out my 2017 Farmer's Almanac and check it, but this is. Uh this is strictly my two cents worth, which is not worth two cents. But I'm very concerned. Like when you came in a minute ago, yep. what, 55, 60 degrees out maybe? It's probably 55 already, yeah. And I, I just got this little itch in my get-along that uh, says we haven't had winter yet. But it's we had calm. one. We had a couple days. Yeah, yeah a couple days. But, but I, uh, you know, I, I 
And yet, you yeah, know what I saw? I've seen the bulb starting to pop in the ground. Yeah. The daffodils are already, and that's daffodils. Usually, if it's it's early, it'll be early March when they come up. Now they're coming up in January. That's 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 bad. That's bad. That's bad. It's. Uh, I think we're in for a real rude awakening one of these days in the very near future. Yeah, but uh, it's, all, it's not even February, and we haven't had one. No, and and I will be I will be doing my own tomatoes from seed in my little interior greenhouse. I've got to recover my greenhouse too. My uh, <laughs> Uh, my uh, plastic uh, disintegrated finally, and I, I've got to go down to my greenhouse and re-put my plastic up. And well, get that I, I would love the uh, headlines in the in the Journal Constitution. Famous immigration attorney thought to be growing marijuana, but found <laughs> to growing tomatoes, plants. <laughs> tomato plants growing in basement. I'll fly over by the fly the, the DEA. GDF. Why is that part of your house have no snow on it? Uh, uh, that's not how they caught one guy a couple of years ago. They were back when it was not okay to do that. Um, it, um, but it's. Uh, it, I'm ex- getting excited to do the garden uh, this weekend. Uh, Baker Creek is the name of the heirloom. Baker, yeah, Baker, yeah. Baker Creek. Baker Creek seeds. Uh, uh, family, young family owns that, and just a delightful. They must have a lot of acreage. Is all I can tell you in Missouri because they put a lot of seeds out there. A lot of seeds out there, and they have really interesting. What I like about them is they have very interesting seeds. They're very cool-looking vegetables, and uh, um, the, the tomato seeds that I've got from them consistently have grown extraordinarily well. As have the peppers consistently. Uh, so we'll be doing that. I'm also, do you do have to tell them which zone you're in and all this kind of stuff. No, or? no, no. Um, but the, the, but the seeds do tell you where they grow best. Um, and I will be. I'm going to try to do a lot of string beans this year and do some pickled string beans. Uh, my okra from them always grows well. They have great okra, but for some reason the corn just does not, just does not do it. Now, again, this is just my whatever. Mm. I think corn here, what show is this? Um, I think corn here just doesn't agree with the clay soil. I think that may be it. I mean, you don't see a lot of corn growing in the country here. So, I mean, it's got to, you know, us us naive people, other farmers listening to this go, well, you idiot, you can't grow corn in Georgia. Let's <laughs> have some peanuts. I tried peanuts a couple years ago. I got nothing out of the peanuts either. Oh, well. Oh, well. Thank Getting back to it. Well, and this actually ties into immigration because somebody's got to help me with my garden. <laughs> so if we get rid of a lot of the immigrants, how are they going to help me with my garden? And Which really goes to our state legislature here in Georgia. David, as you know, over the last several years, they, they have introduced bills to do this and do that on immigration, and, and they have died. And uh, it looks like we will have no real immigration bills, have any votes or any hearings in any committees this session, it looks like at this point. Um, they're all, the word I'm hearing is, yeah, let Congress deal with it, let the president deal with it, federal issue, not our problem. Uh, and that's good for us. I think that's good for Georgia. Uh, you want to keep that kind of level of controversy out of a state uh, because the moment you bring that controversy to a state, you bring a lot of a, a negative attention, and, and that we don't need negative attention here in Georgia. We just don't need negative attention. Uh, so from, a, from an immigration perspective and agriculture, the state is, you know, Looks like it's gearing up to one of its best years ever. Our, our water supply is now being replenished, uh, probably almost out of drought conditions at this point in Georgia, uh, and uh, we're probably going to have a good year uh, financially here in this state. Good year financially in this state. Now, on the immigration side, David, something really interesting happened last week, and I don't know if we talked. I can't recall if we talked about this last week or not, but there. Um, uh, the immigration judges in the United States uh, are not actually uh, judicial Article Three judges. Uh, they are administrative hearing officers within the Department of Justice. So they're employees uh, and subject to the dictates of the Attorney General. 
Now, they're independent to a certain extent, but not, not really. I mean, in, in fact, any decision of the immigration judges can be appealed to the Board of Immigration Appeals, and the Attorney General himself can overturn the decision of the, of the Board of Immigration Appeals. Boom. Just on a whim. So the... What qualifications do you have to be to be an immigration? You have to have been a lawyer for five years and be admitted to the bar of some state. That's that's the requirement to be an immigration judge. I mean, there that wouldn't get you into some of the better law firms in the United States, but so, you can be an immigration judge. So Clinton couldn't be a immigration judge. Which one? Either. <laughs> well, she could, unless she's let her bar license lapse. Uh, I don't think he's ever gotten his back, um, but. Uh, you do have to be, but there's no immigration experience preferred, but not required for the job. Nor could the Obamas. No, they're both they're, they're both inactive. Their licenses are inactive. All they have to do is pay the pay the like four hundred dollar fee, and they get their licenses back. There's been, I mean, I know there's a rumor out there that no, the state bar of Illinois has already confirmed. No, they're perfectly fine. Never had any action taken against them. Uh, so I would love uh, Michelle Obama as an immigration judge. She probably want to blow her brains out for a few weeks after listening to the, the tales of horror that go in front of them. So the immigration judges, of which there are 275 in the United States, um, the courts are authorized. There's an, an Congress has authorized 374 immigration judges um, to reduce the backlog we currently have uh, without adding millions more into the system. They would have to hire another 275 judges to reduce the backlog to a regular workflow by 2022. I don't even think they have that many applications in to be an immigration judge. Now, to be an immigration judge, again, five years as a lawyer, uh, and um, not in immigration, it could be anything, and you have to be in good, good, good standing with your state bar. Uh, they obviously, they prefer immigration experience, but not required. They'll teach you immigration. The area immigration you need to know, they'll teach you. Now, what's interesting about the immigration judges and the, the few that there are, there is a complaint process for judges. So that if you go before a judge and you feel you've been mistreated or your client's been mistreated or uh, there is some issue with perceived ethics, you can file a complaint with the Executive Office of Immigration Review. That's the organization within the Department of Justice that is over the immigration courts, the immigration judges, and the Board of Immigration Appeals. Uh, but that process, David, is not like a state bar where if you file a complaint against me with the state bar, I can actually lose my law license. This, this complaint process isn't like that. This complaint process is supposed to be a remediation process. Okay, judge, uh, this guy complained about this. What's your response? My response is X. So you admit you did that. Yes, okay, well, don't do it again. It's not right. I mean, it's a remediation process. It's not designed for any type of real punishment, and certainly, it would be a. It's a rare circumstance in which an immigration judge would lose their jobs. Well, there has been a rash of complaints against a number of different judges around the country. Let's say ten percent, twenty percent of the immigration judges, anywhere from twenty-five to fifty immigration judges. Now, if uh, if that's the case. Uh, obviously, you want to know whether your immigration judge, you're in court, David, whether that judge had complaints filed against him, much like if you were going to hire a lawyer, you'd want to make sure there's no bar complaints against that person. So the American Immigration Lawyers Association filed a FOIA, a Freedom of Information Act request, uh, with the, the Department of Justice saying, hey, 
we would like uh, to find out um, uh, how many complaints have been filed, and we would like copies of the complaints and any responses you had to the complaints. So this was filed in, oh, I think like 2014. Uh, in 2015, the Department of Justice released uh, heavily redacted documents on complaints filed with the department about immigration judges. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, uh, there's an article in Daily Beast that says, as a result, their inner workings are more sec- often, often more secretive and obtuse than the federal judiciary. In an effort to make the courts more transparent, AILA, the American Immigration Lawyer Association, working with attorneys from the liberal-leaning watchdog group Public Citizen Litigation Group and the American Immigration Council, sued the DOJ's Office for Immigration Review, demanding documentation on complaints filed against immigration judges and how those complaints were handled. After litigation, the Department of Justice turned over 16,000 pages of documents. That's a lot. Uh, these are for complaints, I think, between 08 and 2012, so like five years. These documents included complaints themselves, as well as internal DOJ communications on how to handle them. The documents also do what kind of discipline, or lack thereof, judges receive for engaging in unethical or unprofessional behavior. But the names of the judges discussed in those documents were blacked out, along with the names of the lawyers who filed the complaints and the names of their clients. So Ayla went back to court arguing the DOJ should reveal the names of the judges who generated those complaints, the DOJ said no, uh, and that went all the way up to the Court of Appeals, in which the Court of Appeals said, you know, I think you need to reveal this. Why don't you go back for further hearings, and the case is now back before the district court. Let's talk about this some more when we get back on the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. Now it's where it gets funny. Si usted ha casado con un ciudadano, o tiene problemas con inmigración, o tiene una oferta de trabajo, llama a los abogados de Cook Immigration Partners. Somos en su lado. Con más de 100 años de experiencia en la ley de inmigración, conocemos la ley y sabemos cómo ayudarle. Llámanos hoy a las 404-816-8611, a las 404-816-8611, o visítenos al www.immigration.net. Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on americaswebradio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com anytime you like. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules or if you marry a foreign national. Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the Immigration Hour. Now, David, we had on our show several months ago a young lawyer from New York named uh, Brian Johnson. Remember Brian Johnson? He was the one handling the, ch- the child cases, the, the yeah, kids. Yeah, yeah, from, yeah. From, from the go- so a few days before graduation day. So these, these documents produced by the Department of Justice are heavily redacted. AILA put on their website, hey, we got these documents. So Brian was combing through the documents in search of any tidbits that might help him in his cases. Uh, and, and Brian's very meticulous and a sharp young man, a great, really terrific young lawyer. As he was going through these documents, he switched from one document viewing software program to another in hopes to make it easier to scroll through. You know, these are PDFs, and maybe he went from one PDF viewer to another PDF viewer. 
But when he made the switch, something happened he didn't expect. The redactions vanished. Vanished. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen the way the government... You know, back in the old day, they had black magic marker. And remember all the old FBI documents? And if you held them right, sometimes you could see what was written there, and sometimes you couldn't if you were copied wrong. But today, they just literally block in square blocks using an electronic program. Um, and he said, uh, as he looked at it, uh, the, the black marks designed to obscure the names of judges had disappeared, revealing their identities. Since the judges' names weren't the only things redacted in the complaint, Johnson didn't post the unredacted text online in order to protect the personal information of vulnerable immigrants trying to get legal status in the United States. Instead, he reposted the redacted documents on his law firm's blog and used information in the unredacted documents to make a key matching judges with complaints. So, because when they reduced the, reduced, the, reduced the complaints, instead of putting Judge Jones, it was Judge uh, B.J., or Judge 342. And we didn't know, nobody knew what the codes were, right? But he, he figured it out. Now, the spokesperson for the EUIR said Johnson's blog contained inaccuracies. EUIR is aware that a private attorney viewed EUIR-provided documents that the American Immigration Law Association posted to the Internet. And the private attorney took the time to seek data not accessible on the face of the documents themselves. As if it's his fault, right? It's his fault. EYR has determined that this unfortunate incident resulted in the attorneys publishing an inaccurate key to the documents. EYR will continue to defend its case in reference FOIA and remains committed to protecting the identities of the immigration judges against whom complaints, some substantiated and some unsubstantiated, have been filed. When the Daily Beast asked what inaccuracies were in Johnson's post, the spokesperson said the key the private attorney released does not accurately pair immigration judges with the complaints that have been filed. The key itself, therefore, is the inaccuracy. She didn't provide any other details on any other alleged inaccuracies. Johnson said her claims that he aired are baseless. Now, the staff attorney from the Public Citizens Litigation Group said, ah, we don't confirm or deny, and said this, which is stunning. I mean, this is, I would, if I'm in charge of this litigation, I'm calling Brian, what software program did you use? Let's take a look at it. We have not independently verified the accuracy of his findings. However, particularly in light of the possibility that the processing errors may have also revealed non-public information beyond the immigration judge's names, including private information regarding non-government employees, we determined to remove from the website the effective documents specifically identified by Mr. Johnson. Of course, I'm sure Brian downloaded all those documents before that happened. Some of the complaints he highlighted are disturbing. One complainant alleges that an immigration judge gave special leniency to the clients of another immigration attorney. In some complaints, immigrants allege that judges laughed at them, mocked them, didn't take seriously their pleas for asylum. One complaint described the judge making, quote, lengthy and unjustified, unprofessional lectures on how to practice law, close quote, wasting valuable courtroom time. Another complaint described an, an attorney for the Department of Homeland Security trying to get an immigration judge to postpone a hearing because a lawyer for an immigrant was coughing frequently and admitting to having the flu. The DHS attorney worried other people in the courtroom would get sick and told the judge as much. The judge responded by spending 20 minutes berating the attorney for being overly sensitive to germs and calling him a germaphobe. <laughs> Documents show multiple allegations of that judge rudely yelling at DHS attorneys. Another attorney alleged that an immigration judge accused her of wearing perfume when she wasn't wearing any, and also she, she tried to kill him by coming into a courtroom with a cold. That's just crazy, right? 
Everyone is afraid of making complaints, comments, inquiries, the attorney wrote. Charles Cook, an immigration attorney who practiced is based in Atlanta, told the Daily Beast he was appalled by some of the allegations as well he, as what he believes were vastly inadequate responses by the Justice Department. Quote, this is what I said. Uh, this is an unprecedented number of complaints against judges that don't appear to resolve in a way that fixes behavior. If this was happening in federal district court, people would be screaming bloody murder. He added, but because people who are harmed are usually deported, nobody complains. As for the Justice Department's redaction screw-up, in Cook's view, quote, it's a stunning level of incompetence. Bradley Moss, an attorney who specializes in FOIA litigation, described it as, quote, government incompetence in all its glory, close quote. And he said the immigration judges whose information was inadvertently revealed might have grounds to sue the Department of Justice for violating their privacy. Moss isn't alone in that view. Denise Slavin, the executive vice president of the Immigration Judges Union, said she was astonished that the Justice Department didn't sufficiently protect the judge's identity. They had spent so much time and money fighting this case in court that they don't take precautions to make sure that this would not happen is shocking. And she said there is chatter about potential lawsuits. It's something we're looking into, and I know that some judges were looking into it too. This is just stunning, right, David? This is like stunning. The Justice Department's approach to handling complaints is also a problem, she said. Judges don't always know when complaints are filed against them, she said, and then don't always get a say in how it's handled, the complaints. This means that documents about complaints don't include their side. The union wants to overhaul the entire system handling complaints. I agree. The system is a nightmare. But it also should include the ability to get rid of immigration judges who are not fit for the bench. Quote, we do want an accountable system for public transparency for complaints filed against the judges and how they're dealt with, but this is not it. And releasing this is defamatory and prejudicial against judges who are being reported in there. I would note it's only defamatory, David, if it's not true. Okay, that's defamation requires, the defense of defamation is the truth. And she said this raises a larger question. Quote, the question of whether the Justice Department should be responsible for running the immigration courts. I agree. It's about time to get the immigration judges out of the Department of Justice and make them Article Three judges. But at the same time, they would then need to go through a system of uh, verification uh, at Congress. So you wouldn't get automatically made from an immigration judge in DOJ to an immigration judge within an independent system like an ALJ. You'd have to go through a vetting process. With that, I'm A-OK. But this is, isn't this just stunning? This is just, David, this is... Off the charts, crazy stuff that we're that we deal with here in immigration court, um, and you know I got to tell you, it is not surprising to me this happened, but it is surprising to a lot of people, uh, especially those that don't practice I've immigration. Done one law. word, say it all. Incompetence. Government. Yeah, government. Well, this is this is government incompetence run wild. I mean, this is this is you know government can do good things. Government has the capability, because it's run by good people. There's good people out there that can do good things. But this, this is what happens when you delegate responsibility for a task without giving specific instructions, without verifying that what you want to do is going to work, and without ensuring that the law will be followed. And that's what happened here. People should lose their jobs over this, but not the person whose job it was to, to, uh, to send the FOIA in, okay? That's not – this is, this is – somebody in management – should be fired. Now, the thing is, Brian posted this right before Trump was sworn in. So he's going to, a lot of these senior level DOJ guys, they're gone anyway. 
all right? Because somebody clearly should be fired over this, but now nobody's really going to be fired over this because they're all been kicked out by Trump. Uh, so, David, this is just, this is another example of the world in which I inhabit and many of our listeners inhabit as immigration lawyers. It is crazy. But it is just don't crazy. Don't you think this sent ripples and inquiries and spears through all departments? Because if you ask for a Freedom of Information <coughs> Act, you know, and you get it back, it doesn't matter whether it's from the DOJ or or mm-hmm. IRS or FBI or wherever, you're going to have the marked out blocks. Well, do, doesn't it make you want to call Brian Johnson and say, which program did you use that erased the blocks? <laughs> no, but I think I want to, I want to find out what that is. Brian, if you're listening, indi- which one is that? It clearly indicates that, you know, what are we, what's been yelled about since November the 8th? Hacking. Yeah. So this is a form of... It's of not even hacking. hacking. I mean, he's literally... I talked to him about this. It literally, he just literally went to a different program. He wasn't yeah, trying to do I, anything. No, it just, I, I realize that. It popped it just, up. Yeah. Popped up. So this is, this is worse than hacking. This is not even protecting yourself from programs on the market. Well, not on his side worse than hacking. It's on the government side. Well, it, it's the reverse of hacking. It's yeah. incompetence. Yeah. It goes back so. to just general stunning levels of incompetence. Uh, and people should definitely lose their jobs over this. I was talking to a friend about this and among other things who's a lawyer for the government, not an immigration. And he goes, what you deal with every day, I'd stick a pitchfork in my eyeball. I mean, this is just <laughs> it's just stunning. But I, but I don't think it... I, I think it goes – I think it's in every single well, door that opens in the government. David, if it is, that saddens me. Uh, you know, it saddens sad, me too. It saddens me. You, you know, and, and this is something that, you know, people have been throwing rocks at the uh, uh, nominees for cabinet. Uh, but if you have incompetence leading – I'd rather have somebody that has proven themselves – and is an executive, you know, it's, it's like if, if I had an immigration problem, I'd come to the best. I'd come to Charles Best Coach. you could, right. Why would I want to go to some kid that uh, got his matchbook law degree and, and says, I, I'm practicing immigration car collisions and, mm-hmm. you know, you, you go to the best. And that's what, we, unfortunately, we haven't had the best in our government. We've had the For friends. a very long time. Pardon? For a very long time. Yeah, and we, but we've had the friends of the friend of the friend, and that doesn't mean they're competent. I mean, that's one thing I will give Trump on this is, well, I'm sure he's got some friends that are getting jobs, but most of these people, like Tillerson, he'd never met before. Yeah. I mean, he literally said, get me the best people in here, and I'll make, I mean, maybe you don't agree with his definition of the best, but he picked people that he thought could do the job. You know? Let's see what happens on that. Let's see what happens. And please, Donald, stop lying about illegal immigrants voting, okay? Really. It's not winning friends and influencing people. Let's take a break here on the Immigration Hour in America's Liberty. We'll be back with our next segment. Soy Charles Cook, jefe del grupo de abogados Cook Immigration Partners. Estoy en su lado. Con más de 20 años de experiencia con la ley de inmigración, conozco cómo ayudarle. Sé la ley y sé que alguna gente podemos ayudar. Llámanos hoy a las 404-816-8611. A las 404-816-8611. O visítenos en el internet. www.immigration.net. Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? 
All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to America's Web Radio here in our last segment today. Um, so we'll, we'll find out what happened with these complaints. But, David, you can uh, go to amjolaw, A-M-J-O-Law-L-A-W.com, and read the documents and the complaints. And, I mean, you'll walk away going, wow, how is this judge or that judge still on the bench today? How is that even possible? How is that even possible? Uh, it is uh, – Brian was able to match up – uh, of the complaints, 53 of the judges to names on the complaints. Not all of them, but 53 of them. Now, EOI are saying, well, that's not the right key. Well, now your problem is there's a key out there. You say it's not right. Which sure. which part of it's wrong? You know, that's not that judge. Well, you need to be very specific about this. Uh, now, is this there point. any reasonable way in the world, other than when he goes before a judge, that Brian can get in any trouble. I mean, he didn't do anything. He didn't do anything wrong. I mean, he had public documents that he viewed publicly and put on the Internet. He is WikiLeaks, but he's not even leaking anything. This is produced by the government. That The fact that he uh, was um, the beneficiary of government incompetence doesn't make him have done anything wrong. Yeah. Now, of course, he appears in front of one of these judges. Will the, will the judge take umbrance at Brian? I would think not. I would think not. In fact, I would think that he'd probably be treated with greater deference going forward. Um, Brian is a good young lawyer, and I think he has a very super bright future ahead of him. Also been very successful, him and his wife, in their practice. And they've represented over 500 of these, I think 500 of these kids that have come across the border and gotten green cards for like a couple hundred of them over the last couple of years. So just really remarkable work by him. Uh, and I mean, I'm super proud of him. I'm super proud to know him. I'm, good, I'm proud to call him a friend. I think he's got a really bright future ahead of him uh, on immigration. And I, I love the fact that he is fearless. I love the fact that he is uh, willing to, uh, uh, as, as my friend Don Quixote would do, walk into hell for a heavenly cause. I think that's uh, kind of what we do as immigration lawyers anyway, um, as, we, as we try to uh, 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 better the system that's before us. Uh, now, here's a question for you, David. Trump talks very tough on immigration. Is that going to cause a labor shortage in certain areas? How about farming? We have a real farming problem, right, America? Uh, when you were a young man, you know, 30, 40 years ago, there was a much larger percentage of Americans living in rural America than there is today. Much larger percentage. And as far as sheer numbers, I mean, you have states like Iowa and Kansas that are bleeding population in the rural areas, just literally bleeding population. Uh, so... Mechanized farming has helped a little bit, but uh, here in Georgia, we don't ha really have me massive mechanized farming because of the types of crops that are grown here. Um, so we need bodies to do the work. And uh, there is a concern, I think, on a part of a lot of parts, particularly in the farming uh, area, 
that if uh, Trump continues with the rhetoric against immigrants and he and other anti-legal immigration people, and I don't don't think Trump's really anti-legal immigration, but he's surrounded himself by anti-legal immigration people. Let's call them radical anti-immigrationists. The radical anti-immigrationists like Jeff Sessions. Uh, You could have literally overnight an instantaneous shortage of workers on dairy farms in Wisconsin, farms in South Georgia, uh, farms in Southwest Texas. If, in fact, you were deporting everybody and, you, in fact, you were stopping legal immigration from coming in, who's going to do that work? You say no, so I'd love to get your input on this. Well, I, I think, again, that uh, you look at who he has appointed to be his Secretary of Agriculture. Sonny Perdue. Sonny Perdue. I think an excellent who, choice, by the way. Who is a vet, not a dummy, has farms, and knows the situation, and I, I you know, I, I know farmers. Uh, there's and and generally speaking, I know people in agriculture across the board. They, yes, they want, as any businessman would want, labor that's as inexpensive as possible. Mm-hmm. But. They also want to abide, most want to abide by the laws. So, you know, I think that's the perfect ground for Trump and compromise. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when I was farming, um, you know, we didn't, we didn't have all these problems. We had, we had a lot of Mexicans coming across. Let's call them labor. Laborers. (laughs) Laborers coming across the border. Coming across and, um. we had the green card program, which I guess still – I'm not sure our green card program is the same as no, the you, green – No, that was back in the 70s you're talking about. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, it was six, a very different program. 60s and 70s. Yeah, that was not the green card program. And, um, but we had – you know, you, they had to have a green card, whatever, you know, whatever policy it was. But we had a very workable situation that government and the, and – the people that know more than everybody else knows screwed <laughs> up, in my opinion, or at least they didn't help. So I don't think it's – I think Purdue is going to bring a lot to the table for Mr. Trump, and I think Mr. Trump will listen to him. I, so. I hope so, because I think that's to be vitally important. I was very, very happy to see uh, Sonny get that nomination, uh, much happier than Tom Price getting the nomination to be uh, Health and Human Services Secretary. How interesting that two Georgians are in that cabinet. Very, very interesting. Interesting that uh, they've all been on America's Web Radio at one time or the other. Have they really? Yeah. Has Sonny been on America's Web Radio as well? Yeah, That's just awesome. one, just quickly once. But, we need uh, to get him on a, on a farming show that we'll do here for him. Uh, <laughs> maybe we can get asked, ask questions about gardening, yeah. gardening about that. Uh, no, I, I think that uh, if we – here's my concern, David. I agree, somebody like Sonny is great, but he – is he really going to go up to Congress when other parts of the administration are saying we need to eliminate legal immigration to America, literally eliminate legal immigration to America? Um, is he going to be the sole voice up there saying that? What's Tillerson going to say? Uh, we know what Sessions is going to say. He, he wants to end immigration as we know it today. He's a radical anti-immigration guy. Um, Sonny's clearly not. Sonny gets – I mean, I'm sure Sonny's had people work on his farm that, uh, whose papers might, you might consider suspect. Uh, but we're good enough to do an I-9 for him. Uh, I, I just think that going forward, if we 
don't do something that fixes our legal immigration system while cracking down on illegal immigration. Uh, we are not going to that we're going to face a labor shortage in certain areas that's going to have impact on on everyday people. I mean, there is a question. There's how much are you willing to pay for apples? How much are you willing to pay for fried chicken? How much are you willing to pay for carpet? How much are you willing to pay for stuff? If you're willing to pay a lot, then no problem. No problem at all. But most Americans aren't. Uh, most and Americans I, aren't. But if you don't mind me being so bold, no, I love this. I love this statement. You know, I, I got into it with two ladies at uh, a grocery store one time. This was this was a number of years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't even remember. Probably fifteen years ago, maybe twenty. And uh, do you remember when milk prices went up? To oh like yes, three yes. thirty-four yeah, or whatever yeah. a gallon. Oh, yeah, you showed me the story last week. They were complaining yeah. about some milk. You said, "What about the farmer? Farmers getting rich? Yeah, you know, farmers not getting rich." There just aren't enough cows is the but problem. It, well, and it was the middleman that yep. was marking it on. And, and I, I, it always comes back. You know, I, you've heard me say many, many times, follow the money. Well, one of the places you'll follow the money to is education and the people understanding, knowing, you know. Mm-hmm. Okay, instead of a dollar nineteen a pound for a chicken or whatever the price is, uh, you're paying $2 a pound. Why? And they think, well, it's just the farmer that decided to gouge. Raise his price. No. You know, it's and they do, people don't know, and they don't know the story. And, you know, you want – but it's in everything. It's in – I mean, you, you deal with it day in and day out. It's mm-hmm. in immigration. It's in medicine. It's in, you know, uh, why are MRIs at a hospital so expensive? Mm-hmm. Because the hospitals the have, the MRI, have MRI. bought out all, all of the, the independent people that had lowered the price. Right. So, you know, it's, a, it's education. I think education is the most important thing that Trump could bring to the any table. Well, we'll see if he does that. But, you know, I, I want to go back to this farm thing again. There's a, now a machine, David, cost $138,000 that can pick your apples for you. And it can pick three times the number of apples per hour than workers who currently use ladders and buckets and do so more safely. Unfortunately, it cannot operate in the orchards as they're currently set up because it needs more space to operate. So you have to replant the orchards. So the benefits of a machine like this are, are a decade down the road. Um, but a study by the American Farm Bureau said that if we, um, if we continue along the path where we're tightening uh, uh, immigrant labor in the United States, and we deport people that are already here, 61% of fruit production will shift to other countries. 61% will shift to other countries, mostly to Mexico, um, and uh, uh, not keep it here in the United States. Now, that's a problem, right? When you when you become dependent on other countries for your food, okay, oil, okay, we, we can we fix the oil problem, right? We, we could be energy independent if we wanted to be. You might like you might not like, like the price at four bucks a barrel, but it would be great. But should we ever become food dependent? Ever? That's a terrible idea, isn't it? It's a terrible idea to become food dependent. Ask China about becoming food dependent because they are food dependent on us. Yeah, Ask I Russia. Don't, I don't think it'll happen. I think you well, may. That's, that's the key. I think Sonny Perdue having a voice in there is going to have a big a, a big thing to do with that. I think you're. 
situation or your example of the apple picker, um, you know, the one thing that, that that's always left out of the equation, it seems like, and Trump put it back in the equation to a degree in his State of the Union, as a matter of fact, but is American ingenuity. Mm-hmm. When we've been called on, it was it's like the cotton gin. It's like the, the combine. It's like the, you know, when labor wasn't there, we figured it out. By the same token, uh, when I was in school, uh, one of the big things that one of the professors was working on, with apples, as a matter of fact, was doing away with the quote-unquote apple orchard and having uh, apples grown on like hedge-grown hedge apples. It was like a hedge that was full apples. apples on it. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, I think that would be fascinating. But until, until the magic happens, David, here's something. American ingenuity solves problems. And you would think a lot of ingenuity comes out of Silicon Valley, where 60% of the companies are founded by immigrants. I mean, uh, Eli uh, was the guy who invented the cotton gin. Eli uh, Whitney, Whitney uh, the son of immigrants to the United States. I mean, the reality is immigration is what keeps the idea machine going. We have to figure out a way, David, where we can end illegal immigration but continue to accept the world's best and brightest as well as those willing to work hard to make America and keep America number one in the world. Uh, there is plenty of people to do that. We need a smart immigration system to make that happen. And, you know, that immigrant or that person that comes up with the idea and design and develops it didn't do it by sitting at a desk. He's worked on that farm at oh, some yeah, absolutely. point. He knows how that works. He knows how that works. And he's seen, hey, we need to come up with something. So, And, and he does, and they do. And I think we're on the same page. I think so, too. I think so, too. Uh, until next week, uh, how many times Donald Trump will lie this week about uh, how many illegal Come immigrants on. voting uh, or about the size of his crowds? Uh, those are funny, David, by the way. Those are very, very funny. Hopefully Sean Spicer can recover his honesty somewhere and start telling the truth at press conferences. But next week, we'll be back on the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. Until then, have a great week. If you have any comments or concerns, reach out to us. We look forward to hearing from you. Uh, this is Chuck Cook on the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.